reading for this morning comes from the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. As soon as Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In this season of Epiphany, we have heard a series of call stories. Peter and Andrew, Philip and Nathaniel, James and John, as Jesus begins his public ministry and recruits disciples, friends, and fellow workers in sharing God's good news. Today, we have another call story, that of Simon's mother-in-law. At first blush, it doesn't seem to be a call story at all, but rather a story of healing, both for her as she is healed from her fever and for others as they are brought to Jesus by their friends to be healed by him throughout the evening. The story goes that Simon's mother-in-law, and unfortunately we don't know her name, she had a fever and Jesus comes and takes her by the hand and lifts her up and the fever leaves her. She is healed and free of her fever, and then, and here's the key part of the story, she immediately gets up and begins to serve. Professor Caroline Lewis writes that Simon's mother-in-law does not serve here because she has to, because she is compelled to, because someone asked her to, or because that's her supposed place. She serves because this is what discipleship looks like. She serves showing what following Jesus will really mean. And the story of Simon's mother-in-law is her call to discipleship story. And her service is an embodiment of the angels for Jesus in the wilderness and how Jesus describes his own ministry. Lewis continues, Too often Jesus' restoration of those he meets those he seeks to heal and to save, is reduced to a one-sided narration of justification for Jesus' divinity or an equally one-sided account of our anticipated response. Yet Jesus doesn't heal just to heal, just to prove himself, or just to confirm God's activity in the world. Jesus heals for the sake of, because of, and assuming that the kingdom of God is here and that we are part of it, that we have a role in it, and that Jesus needs us. As it turns out, and what Simon's mother-in-law reveals, 
is that this role looks an awful lot like Jesus himself will describe his own ministry, his own power, and his own presence. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so in this very short story, we have a healing, a call, and ultimately a model of the Christian life. We encounter Jesus and we get healed and made whole and set free. And this is a pure gift from God. There's nothing that we can do to earn it or to lose it. But it is not healing, wholeness, or freedom for their own sake. For it gives us the freedom to serve and give ourselves away. Not to pay God back for anything, but because others need to be set free and to be healed as well because we want others to know the same comfort, joy, hope, and peace that we do. Lewis's approach to this story is new to me, but it makes so much sense. My own call story, as I look back, was a healing story that eventually led to a call. Um, at the time, I was 17 years old, 30 years ago, and grappling with my parents' divorce and having moved, which was not what I thought it was going to be. And out of my confusion and loneliness and sadness, I found my way to a little church who embraced me and gave me a place to heal. And it was there that I heard my call to ministry. Those called into ministry in whatever capacity ordained or lay you and I as Christians and ministers in our own daily lives share a common desire to share with people that healing and transformative experience that we ourselves have received. And sometimes it is helpful, especially when we are feeling burned out and tired, to look back and go back and revisit our own origin stories the place where we were changed at whatever age and in whatever way that happened for us and to reconnect with our desires for others to experience that as well. This all reminds me of Martin Luther and his important essay from 1520, The Freedom of a Christian, where citing Paul, he writes that, a Christian is perfectly free, Lord of all, subject to none. And a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. I'll read that again. A Christian is a perfectly free, Lord of all, subject to none. And a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. Luther says, and we believe that we are set free by God's grace through faith, and thus we are free to act and serve, not out of fear or judgment or to earn God's love, but out of love and gratitude for God and love for our neighbor. We are totally free. And yet, he says, here faith is truly active through love. That is, it finds expression in the works of the freest service, cheerfully and lovingly done with which a person willingly serves without hope of reward. And for himself, he is satisfied with the fullness and wealth of his faith. In short, service always follows salvation. And freedom for Christians is never an end in itself.
I think this has so much to say to us and our culture today. Our American experience, the American experiment in which we are situated, is an ongoing conversation and debate and struggle about what it means to be free. And this, I think, is at the root of so much of what we are seeing in our common life right now. As Americans, we test the limits of our freedoms. We seek to determine the balance between individual freedoms with the needs of the common good. We, wrestled with, we wrestle with how we can be truly free if other people are not. We debate about who can be free and who cannot and who is entitled to the exercise of those freedoms in full and who cannot. Far too often we insist on individual freedoms at the cost of the common good and at the cost of those who are different from the norm, whether it has been women or native peoples or people of color or those of differing sexual orientation or gender identity or the poor. Too often in our culture, freedom means freedom over another. Too often, freedom in our culture means freedom from others. But what Martin Luther describes and what Simon's mother-in-law models for us is that our faith is always defined by freedom as freedom for others and freedom with others. This is the freedom of a Christian, no matter one's citizenship. St. Paul actually engaged in a similar debate about Christian freedom with the members of the church in Corinth. Some members of that church rightly said that they were free to do anything or nothing because they had received God's forgiveness and grace. And yet, they pushed the limits of their freedom. However, this was causing confusion among the newer and weaker believers in the church. And so Paul tells them, that they have not been set free just to be free for their own sakes, but set free to help and serve the weak and vulnerable. Paul uses himself as an example. He writes to them, For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To Jews, Paul became a Jew. To those under the law and outside of the law, to the weak he became as one of them. He became, he says, all things to all people, not taking his freedom for granted nor lording it, other, uh, lording it over others, not boasting about it, though Paul could sometimes boast, or needlessly pushing its limits, but using it to help those who were still enslaved literally, figuratively, and spiritually. At times, we can remain so focused on our salvation, our healing, our freedom, our own experience, that we can forget all the ways that people are still trapped themselves by poverty, disease, prejudice, poor nutrition, underfunded schools, poor health, violence, and war, fear, and despair. Our own healing, our own freedom, our own salvation as we see in the story of Simon's mother-in-law, that is just the beginning of our story. Because we cannot bask in our freedom when there are so many others who are not free. Because the freedom we know in Jesus holds the seeds of freedom for others. 
because service always follows salvation, because there is not only blessing for us in being saved, but also blessings in being of service to God's world. And so thanks to Simon's mother-in-law for her simple act of service and for the reminder and example to us this morning to get up and serve. Amen.